We come now, brethren, to the preaching of God's Word, and I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Peter, and the third chapter, the book of 1 Peter, and the third chapter this morning. We continue our verse-by-verse -verse series through this book. And I will be reading and then preaching this morning on verses 9 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. And I invite you to read along silently as I read aloud this morning. Here Peter writes, beginning in verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for this time together this morning, and we ask now for the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that he would lead us into all truth, that he would grant us an understanding of this text this morning, that we might honor you with our response to it, and that Jesus Christ would receive all the honor and glory this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, brethren, we want to return to our series in the book of First Peter. And we now want to focus on the instructions that Peter gives us here in verses 9 through 12 on doing good in the face of opposition. Doing good in the face of opposition. For all throughout this book, Peter has addressed the fact that we as Christians will experience opposition. We will endure suffering as we attempt by God's grace to live honorably and to witness boldly before a lost world. And as we face this opposition, as we encounter and endure this suffering, we are to do so with a calmness, with a settled confidence that our God is in control. And that our responsibility is not to strike out or to measure out what we feel our accusers might deserve, but we are to respond in precisely the opposite manner. And that is, we are to respond by seeking to bless, seeking to bless, and to be a blessing to others. In fact, Peter states this plainly here in the beginning of our text this morning, for he writes here in verse 9, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Therefore, rather than responding 
to those who do evil to us with evil in return or reacting to those who revile us or abuse us in an angry or insulting way, we are to respond to them instead with the intent, with the motivation to do them good. We should react to their abuse of us with a quiet self-control and with the assurance that God is with us. In fact, our example in all of this, and this should come as no surprise to us as God's people this morning, is the Lord Jesus Christ. For if anyone was mistreated by evil persons, if anyone was reviled, if anyone was verbally mistreated with harsh and malicious words, when he was completely undeserving of such treatment, it was Jesus Christ who knew no sin whatsoever. And yet we see in Scripture that Christ responded to his accusers and persecutors in the precise way that Peter admonishes us to respond here in our text this morning. For when he, Christ, was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten others in return. But he continued trusting himself to him, to God the Father, who judges justly. And of course, this speaks to us not only of Christ's competence in the justice of his Father, but it also speaks to us about the trust that Christ had and the trust that you and I should have this morning in God's complete sovereign control over our lives. For Christ did not allow the opposition that he faced to hinder his settled trust in the goodness of God. Brethren, let me just emphasize this morning that you and I should not allow the obstacles that we face the difficulties that we're facing right now in life to hinder our settled trust in God's goodness to us, to our families. And therefore, when you and I encounter opposition, be it in the form of evil actions towards us or hateful speech that is leveled against us, we should look to Christ for our example and for our strength. For he who endured such abuse at the hands of sinners is not unsympathetic to what we face in terms of abuse and opposition as well. And all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer abuse. We will suffer persecution. He will sustain us in the midst of of all of this, as, as we just sang a few moments ago, he will hold us fast. He will give us a settled peace in the heat of the conflict, a peace that will enable us to think wisely about our own response, a peace that will enable us to consider free from all the immediate impulses of fear and anger and anxiety, what our best response should be. For when there is no fear, when there is no anger hijacking our responses to others, we are free to respond to them appropriately. We are free to respond to them biblically. 
What is the right response for us, biblically speaking, when we're faced with opposition of the nature that Peter describes here in verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 3, when we're confronted with individuals who mean to do us evil, who are determined to do us evil, to individuals who do not hesitate to speak lies about us, to slander us, to revile us to our faces. Well, Peter states here in verse 9 that we are to bless. We are to bless or to literally to seek their blessing, to seek their good for in response to their desire to see us hurt their desire to see us destroyed we are to voice we are to display by our actions by our responses to them our desire to see them blessed our desire for them to know the blessings and the favor of almighty god upon their lives and of course in the context of this letter from the apostle peter a letter that speaks of the great mercy of God the Father as revealed in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blessing that we are to desire for our opponents, the blessing that we are to voice, the blessing that we are to proclaim and impart to them, if God is so pleased to grant it, is the knowledge of Christ through the gospel. The knowledge of Christ through the gospel. And so Peter is not saying here that you and I should simply offer our opponents some kind of general blessing, some kind of generic blessing, some kind of well-wish for a long and prosperous life. But rather we are to offer them that blessing that only comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That blessing which we are to communicate through words and actions, through our patient confidence in God, which is to be visible to others even while we are being mistreated. For what our opponents, what our accusers need to hear about, what they need to have expounded to them is the forgiveness of God that only comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. And they need to hear it from the lips of a believer who knows how to live. A believer who knows how to suffer patiently under the glorious power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For when the blessings of the gospel are communicated clearly by a believer who is confidently sustained by the power of Christ, even when he or she is being mistreated, it has the power to convict even the hardest of sinners. For even the most determined among our opponents can be silenced when the response that they receive from us is not one of anger and not one of reviling in return, but one of gospel goodwill. Gospel goodwill, of genuine, compassionate concern for the state of their eternal soul, of sincere hope that the gospel will powerfully transform their lives as well. For even in our responses to our opponents, even in our responses to those who mistreat us, we are to have a determined gospel purpose. 
There is to be a gospel purpose, a gospel design in how we respond. We are to, to pause and to think, in what way might I, through my response to this situation and to these individuals who are opposing me, make the person and the message of Jesus Christ clearer to them? How can I respond to them as Jesus and as the first disciples who followed Jesus responded to those who opposed them? For did not Christ, even while he hung suspended upon the cross, cry out to his Father to bless by means of forgiveness those who crucified him? Father, forgive them, bless them, for they know not what they do. Did not the first Christian martyr, Stephen, while he was being stoned for his witness to Jesus Christ, pray for those who stoned him with the words, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Bless them. With the knowledge of your Son, oh, my dear brothers and sisters, let us not repay evil with evil. Let us not revile against those who revile against us, for we've been called to a higher response than that. We have been called to a nobler task than simply striking back. Anyone can strike back. No, we've been called to be conveyors of blessing, of blessing. In fact, this is exactly what Peter states here, continuing in verse 9. Notice he says, again, quoting from the beginning, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. And why? Why bless others? For to this, this noble task especially, you were called. Therefore, all of us as believers in the context of communicating the gospel in the face of opposition and adversity are called by God. We have been commissioned, as it were, to bring the good tidings of the gospel into our circumstances, into our difficulties, to show those individuals who know nothing of the gospel what suffering because of the gospel really means. What living for Jesus Christ, even under adversity, really looks like. So as our opponents are reviling and railing against us, we should be seeking ways to bless them. To bless them. To see them, if God is pleased to move upon them savingly. Delight in the gospel, just as you and I delight in the gospel. For we should long to see those who are opposed to us and to the gospel come to know Jesus Christ and the manifold blessings that flow down from God the Father through Christ. And yet not only is there the possibility of blessings upon those that we are witnessing to, but notice here also that there is the promise of God's blessing upon us. The promise of God's blessing upon us if we are walking in the path of Christian obedience. Peter writes here at the end of verse 9 that as we bless those who abuse us, as we bless those who speak all manner of evil against us, we shall receive blessings from God as well. 
For God is not one to leave us without his strength and grace as we witness for him. God is not one to turn his ears, so to speak, from our patient and persistent prayers for help. But God is faithful to reward us in the midst of opposition with an encouraging measure of his presence and with the assurance of answered prayer as we pray earnestly for the success of his word. In fact, Peter speaks of these promised blessings to those who respond wisely to such circumstances and who witness in this way by drawing out here in the rest of our text God's promises from Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16, which speak of these greater blessings in much more detail. For Peter writes here, beginning in verse 10 of First Peter chapter 3, for whoever desires to love life and to see... Wow, my notes just ended. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have the text here immediately. Hold on one second. Those who desire to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from seeking deceit. And of course, Peter quotes from Psalm 34 at this point because it highlights how a person who is blessed of God uses his or her tongue differently than the wicked are their opposers of God's truth do. For think with me for a moment. For the evil person, the person who opposes the truth, rails and reviles against the godly. That's how they use their lips. That's how they use their tongue. But the one who truly desires a life that is uniquely favored by God, a life that is characterized by the abundant goodness that flows from God's hand is one who keeps his or her tongue. One who refrains from deceitful speech. And why is this? Because the godly person is called, as we saw a few moments ago, to be a conveyor of blessings to others. For even in the face of opposition, the godly person, the one who desires to love life and to enjoy from life all the blessings that God gives, is not one who destroys others with his or her tongue. But rather he or she desires to share the truly profound goodness of God with others. Nor is a godly person one who is quick to speak out in falsehood or with deceit. Because he or she understands that nothing born of deceit can prolong a good life. Nothing produced by deceit and dishonesty can ensure that one experiences the blessing of seeing good days ahead. So as Peter reminds us here in verse 34, we must be eager to speak but to speak well. We must be eager to speak in a gospel-centered, blessing-oriented way, even when we are opposed or verbally abused. For what should determine our speech, what should guard our tongues and keep our lips from speaking deceit is our 
firm commitment to conveying the gospel. Our firm commitment to conveying the gospel. And it is only the gospel that can give us a genuine love of life as God fully intended it. It is only the gospel and the transforming power of the gospel that can ensure that you and I experience good days ahead. Therefore, let us, brethren, be quick to avoid evil speaking. Let us be quick to avoid railing and destructive speech, even when we feel abused or mistreated. But let us instead speak forth the hope of the gospel, even to those who openly oppose it for now, for in doing so, God may grant our opponents true repentance unto life. Then secondly, let us note here in verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 3, which again is drawing from the wisdom of God found in Psalm 34. Peter also stresses the importance of how we actually live, the importance of how we actually live, how we conduct ourselves in the face of opposition as well. For it is not enough to simply keep our tongues it is not enough to refrain from speaking evil or deceit, but we must also keep our feet. We must keep our feet from the path of evil. We must promote with our actions what is actually good and beneficial for peace. For if what we say is not backed up with efforts to avoid and refrain from evil to help others pursue the same path, we will not experience God's blessings in the way that the psalmist describes them in Psalm 34. For Peter writes here in verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 3, let him, the one who truly desires to obtain the blessing, referred to back in verse 9, turn away from evil. Notice, speaking of his path, turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Go after it. Walk towards it. And of course, to turn away from evil here. Within the context of 1 Peter chapter 3 means that we refuse to act out of anger. We refuse to act in violence towards those who mistreat us, toward those who falsely accuse us. For once again, our principal goal is to do spiritual good to our opponents, to do spiritual good to all men. For we hope that our good will provide an open door for the gospel. Again, that's the purpose, an open door for the gospel. And so let none of our opponents be able to say truthfully of us that we failed to do them good or that we failed to point them to the one who is good, the only one who is good, the Lord Jesus Christ, for we want to be promoters of good. We want to show what doing good in the context of a well-lived life, in the context of the goodness of the gospel, actually looks like. Let me tell you, my friends, there are many people out there who need to see what a well-lived life under the gospel looks like. And they should see it at our home. They should see it at our office, at our workplace. 
They should see it in our relationships, in our marriages. For when we do good as a direct reflection of the grace of God that is working within us, we point men and women to the goodness of God, to the grace of God as revealed to us in the gospel. Furthermore, we demonstrate a genuine love for our neighbor, which Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew 22 and verse 39. For to love one's neighbor is to seek his or her good. To seek his or her good. To love one's neighbor in the context of our witness is to proclaim the promises of the glorious gospel to them. Then not only are we to turn away from evil and do good, as Peter states here in verse 11, but we are also to seek peace and pursue it. Notice this. Seek peace and pursue it. And no doubt the best way to seek peace, the best way to pursue peace is by living by the gospel of peace. Or by sharing the gospel with others, by seeking peace with those who oppose us, we openly demonstrate that genuine peace is possible. And there are many people today who don't believe that genuine peace is possible. But it is possible through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, this is consistent with our calling. For given who we are in Christ, all of us are to act as ambassadors of peace. Ambassadors of peace. We are all called in our own particular circumstances, in the midst of our own particular trials, to herald the good news of peace to publish abroad the wonderful news that no hostility exists between God and those who trust in Christ. For Christ has brokered peace for all who believe in him and in the sufficiency of his sacrifice. And those who now possess his peace will always possess it. Not only that, we are to endeavor as much as is possible to be at peace with all men. To be at peace with all men, with everybody, for the sake of the gospel. We should be eager to remove any obstacles, any hindrances that might exist between us and others. Why allow unnecessary obstacles to hinder the free flow of the gospel, a true ambassador of peace, a true ambassador of Jesus Christ is careful not to undermine the peace that he preaches, that he lives by, by failing to pursue peace, by failing to maintain peace within his or her own life or walk. No, we are to make peace. Seeking peace, pursuing peace, our priority. We are to make gospel peace our constant pursuit in order that the God of all peace is honored and known and that the glorious peace that comes through knowing Christ reigns supreme within us and shines through our lives. Then lastly, let us notice here in verse 12 of this chapter, which once again draws out the language of Psalm 34, that when we do engage in these activities, when we keep our tongues from evil and deceit, 
when we turn away from evil and seek and pursue peace, we can be completely confident in our Father's providential care over us. We can be completely confident in our Father's providential care over us. For Peter writes here in this verse, notice, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. On the righteous. And of course, this expression is not merely intended to assure us that God knows where we are and what we are doing at a given moment in time, but this expression is intended to comfort us with, with the certain knowledge and assurance that his care is with us, that it's wrapped around us, so to speak, for his eyes are upon us just as a child is always under the watchful care of his or her own father. For the idea here is that we are never outside of his sight. That's the idea. We are never outside of his sight. We, we can never wander. We can never be drawn away from his view, from his steadfast and loving hold over us, for his eyes are fixed upon the righteous ones, upon those who are his own, and he would no more let us out of his sight than we would neglect to see after our own children. In fact, even more so. Not only do we have his oversight, not only do we have his loving gaze fixed upon us, but Peter also states here, again quoting from Psalm 34, that we have our Father's great eagerness to come to our need. His great eagerness to come to our need. For he hears our cries and our petitions. Just as a loving father hears the faintest cry for help from his own child. For notice what Peter says here in verse 12. His ears are open to their prayers. Do you need an encouragement to pray this morning? Here it is. His ears are open. They're wide open. So open your mouth. Pray. Pray boldly. Pray earnestly. His ears are open. Peter would have us to be assured from the testimony of the Old Testament, from his own inspired writing here in 1 Peter chapter 3, that God the Father is actively promoting our good. You see the relationship here? We've been told in the beginning of this passage that we are to promote the good of others, Peter is assuring us that as we are promoting the good of others, God is promoting our good actively. Not that God exists merely for us or that he caters to us above his own good pleasure because we know that that's not the reason he promotes our good, but like a loving father who is always attentive, like a loving father who is always responsive to his own Beloved children, our God exercises his righteous watch care over us. We who have been made righteous in his sight through saving faith in Jesus Christ are the object of his care, the object of his compassion and concern. 
Therefore, as we consider our spiritual duties in light of these passages this morning, let us assure ourselves, let us be assured on the authority of God's word of our Father's affectionate care over us. Let us rejoice in the promises of his assistance and blessing. For as we promote the good of others, our Father is promoting our good. As we endeavor to bless others, the Father is blessing us. As we endeavor to share the gospel in the midst of opposition, Jesus Christ sustains us and gives us the ability to press on in the work of the ministry through his sweet and abiding peace. And yet, let us notice in closing, brethren, that these things... All these blessings that we've just rehearsed that Peter quotes from the Old Testament on, all these things are not so for those whose lips speak evil and deceit, for those whose feet are quick to depart from the righteous path, for those who put little value on pursuing peace. For rather than lifting up the light of his countenance upon them, rather than granting them peace, which is the blessing that is promised to those who believe in him through Jesus Christ, we are told by Peter here in verse 12 of First Peter chapter 3, notice these words, that the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Truly, there is not a more troubling statement for us to ponder than this one. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. For to be in a spiritual state where the Lord's face is set against us, against you and against me, is not a good state to be in. Would you agree? Not a good state. We may survive well for a time with the approval of men. We might think that we can thrive for a season with the approval of our friends. But we cannot prosper. We cannot enjoy the blessings of a good and full life or the blessings of good and fulfilling days ahead without the smile of God upon us. And the smile of God only comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if having the smile of God on our lives is not right this moment, the most important priority in our lives, then we are in desperate need of repentance and spiritual transformation. I ask you this morning, is this the main priority of your life? Not to make money, not to be prosperous, not to further your own agenda, is the main priority of your life this morning to have the smile of God upon your life and upon your family. Oh, may we desire the light, the approval of Christ's kind face upon us more than anything else. Yes, may we desire his smile upon us more than physical life itself. More than all that this world can possibly provide. May God give us the grace to hear and to receive these words this morning. May the blessings 
that Peter explains to us here from this text belong to us. A well-lived life under the gospel. Good days ahead. Peace and prosperity, spiritual prosperity in our lives. They only come through Jesus Christ. Believe on him today. Trust in him alone. And these blessings will be yours. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you so much for your blessing and for the truth of your word today. And we would ask, Father, that you would use the words that have been spoken this morning to open our hearts and open our thinking to the truths that we've heard and in such a way that it begins to change the way we think about what's truly important. And we would ask, O oh God, for the work of your Spirit at this time, that he would grant us an understanding of how these words apply to us individually and how we are to live in light of them. Father, we confess to you this morning that so often we can be distracted, so often we can strike out to others in anger and in impatience. So often we can become frustrated about our circumstances that we lose sight of the bigger picture, the gospel end, the gospel purpose for all that we're going through. We would ask you to teach us this morning through this text to think in a different way and to live in a different way for the glory of God. Father, we ask this morning that if there's anyone here who is outside of Jesus Christ, who does not have saving faith in Christ, we would ask that you would grant them repentance and faith on this day, this day of salvation, that they would truly trust him by your grace and through the power of your spirit to grant them that spiritual peace we were referring to today, that end of hostility between them and God, that they might know the joy of a relationship with you. They might know the Spirit's presence in their lives that they might honor and glorify you. Bless in all these ways today, Father. Speak to us. Let your word not go out without a response from us. But may it accomplish its intended purpose for your glory and for our good. For we ask these things in Jesus' blessed name.